welcoming Lou Frederick to the Portland Media Good Old Days podcast. Lou, uh, you don't mind being part of the Good Old Days, do you, partner? I don't mind at all. I'm at least I'm, I made it this far. Are you kidding? Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, I know you are an incredibly busy guy. I don't even know where to start. Uh, uh, let, let's start where you are now. You are in the Senate of the Oregon Legislature. You have been for, uh, what, 15 some years? In the Senate for four years, uh, in, the leg- in the House for seven years. So I, I was reelected in November. So okay. I plan on being in the Senate at least for the next four years. So, I mean, obviously that is, has a whole different uh, perspective that, well, with what we've been going through this last year on, on several fronts. Uh, let's talk pandemic. Are you guys going to be able to have a session uh, starting in January uh, virtually? Well, we're going to have a, uh, some kind of a session. There'll be a virtual, as- obviously a strong virtual aspect to it. But uh, our laws, our, our constitution requires that we vote on the, uh, in person on the floor of the Senate uh, for, um, for bills, that, that we approve bills on the floor of the Senate. We have to be in person for that. Now, we can adjust, adjust that, and we're, we did that yesterday by uh, having, first, by having uh, the ability to, to, to vote from within the Senate chambers rather than just on the floor itself. So we voted to allow that to happen yesterday. So you could be in your office, uh, mask on, in a safe place, voting uh, virtually or whatever, but you're there at the Capitol. No, 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 we, that's a different thing. Um, we, okay. Uh, so when we, when we vote on a bill, we have to be in the Senate chambers, but we don't have to stay in the Senate chambers all the time. We can go back to the office or do something like that and come in when we hear that there's a vote going on. Okay. Um, so that, but, and then the committee meetings, we can vote in the committee meetings from like this. I mean, virtually. we use, we use virtual, we use Teams, uh, the software called Teams to do that often. So we, we, will, we will vote that way in committee meetings and consider bills and, and, and get public testimony and other things in committee meetings. So we'll, but the only time we'll have to be there is when we vote for a bill to go, to leave the Senate and go to the House or leave the Senate and go to the governor's office. Uh, so other than the normal uh, cautions and, and procedures you're going through, uh, you know, Kate Brown, our governor, has been out in front of this uh, uh, pandemic. A lot of things are being done by executive order. Uh, how has that affected you as a legislator? What, are, are you, can you be involved in that? Are you just advising? And I guess, how, how are we doing? Well, it's, it's advising. There are several things that are part of that. One is uh, we expect to have people talking with us uh, in, faith, in, in person, face-to-face. They're not able to do that. Uh, and, and there's a lot that you, you can get via Zoom and, and other things. You can tell what kind of books people have behind you. And, and I like the Emmy behind you there. That's nice. Uh, right. but, <laughs> but, I didn't do that on purpose. <laughs> but there are lots of other things that you can't get a sense of if you're not talking with someone person-to-person. Uh, a good example was we, we, we introduced bills this uh, yesterday. We, we sent in bills for the session. Now, m- normally I would have gone around to my colleagues and sat, sat down with them and said, here's a bill I'm, I'm, interesting, I'm interested in introducing. What do you think? And I would have adjusted the bill based on some of their comments. Mm-hmm. We didn't have time to do that. We didn't have the ability to go face-to-face to talk about those bills. So that's going to be a little different than what we've, what we've done in the past. 
Um, uh, it, it by, just, by your assessment, how is the state doing? How's the governor doing with this pandemic? Because you know, I'm here in this central part of the state. I, I hear a lot of criticism. Well, I'm, I hear a lot of criticism too. I've got to tell you, Carl, the fact for me is I've, I've had 15 friends uh, die from this disease. Wow. Um, and I've had, uh, and I have another 15 or 20 now, I think, who have tested positive uh, for, for, the, for, the, for the virus. Uh, some of them had some severe issues. Some of them had less, less severe issues, but we don't know what the long-term impact of this is uh, as well. So they're, they're in worried about that. And then I have uh, two, three nieces and nephews and one, one friend who I consider a nephew who are working in ERs across the, the country. Mm -hmm. And they, they worry about uh, contracting the disease and, and what, what happens when they go home to see their, their toddlers. Uh, are they passing it along to their families? So um, I understand that there are folks who, and, and, and we've also seen situations where there have been commu communities that have said, well, we don't have to worry about it. It's something that's taking place in the metro area. It's something that takes place with a lot of people. And then suddenly it's not. Suddenly it's you know, it's 280 of 340 people in a church getting, coming down with this. And how many of them die? Well, it's not even just a matter of deaths. The, the, the kind of, um, the kind of uh, issues that take place in terms of their health are pretty severe. Mm -hmm. uh, and, that, and that can be a real problem. But the other thing that happens is they're filling up the, the, uh, the hospitals um, because, and that means that people can't get into the hospitals to do other things that, that need to keep them safe as well. So there's lots of stuff. I, I understand that people have gotten upset with, with Kate about that. I'm sorry, I don't have a problem with, with what she's doing. She's trying to do the best. In fact, there are some folks who are upset that she hasn't done enough uh, about some things in terms of stopping uh, other, uh, other things from opening and, and, and having to do a, she's tried to, to balance the openings with the, with the kinds of uh, uh, outbreaks and that's been difficult because and, and it's not like we've ever gone through this before in our right. lifetime or in your guys' careers as being lawmakers. Right. Uh, we're making it up as we go. Right. And we're doing, and, we're doing frankly, doing the best we can. Uh, there are folks who wanted to, to say that it was a, a, a hoax or that it was just not that important. It's not a hoax. It is important and it creates its own problems. I mean, I had, um, you know, my, my, my mom died uh, in April. Um, not of the disease, um, but she died. She died. She had a stroke in uh, in January this year, and then uh, was being treated and was doing pretty well. And at one point, she was she needed to. She was uh, taken to the hospital to check on some other things. But as soon as she got into the hospital, she was alone. Um, yeah. She her her hearing aids were not with her. Her glasses were not with her. She couldn't talk uh, because of the stroke. Uh, there was no one there to to advocate for her to be at her bedside. All she saw were people in in gear and just their eyes because that was all that they could allow into the hospital, which meant she spent three days in isolation basically and in fear and two weeks later she died. Uh, I consider that particular stress to have been a, a good part of what happened with with her death so this disease is not just what um, if, if somebody dies from the disease officially, or even from complications because of the disease, this is a serious issue. It's, it's a much wider, more. broad effect on people. Yes, it is indeed. Uh, so uh, we'll probably get back to state legislature stuff, but I want to get back to uh, 
your uh, your career as a journalist at uh, KGW. Um, you know, I remember uh, when I fir the first one of the first conversations I had with you as I started there as an intern and then a reporter. Uh, here's here's this reporter guy I'm working with that I respect a lot, and we're sitting down, and you start talking about growing up with Dr. King's family in Atlanta, and I'm going, really? I mean, what a uh, um, what an intriguing way to kind of develop your perspective on life, to be there at the heart of the civil rights movement and uh, to have that to, to base your growth on as a person. Well, you know, it's, it's, it, it's something that, it's interesting, Carl, that you said that because I didn't talk that much about that when I no. was at KGW. Uh, and then suddenly when folks found out about it later on, they went, why didn't you tell us about this? <laughs> Well, because the, the, the stories that I wanted to tell were stories about what was going on, not me. And so, so I, I, that, that was how I dealt with it. But yeah, it was, um, you know, I, I grew up in the civil rights movement. I grew up, um, my first tear gas was when I was, when I was eight years old. Wow. Um, the, uh, I grew up with people telling me that I couldn't drink out of a water fountain uh, in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Uh, I grew up with, um, with folks uh, making it very clear that that they were throwing things at me that they wanted to they wanted to harm me as much as possible uh, when I desegregated my high school, I had people yelling at me as I walked into the to the front door of the high school with a group of other folks, but I was one of the I was the one of the main people in terms of the the, the final part of the court case. Uh, I had grew up with with uh, my my classmates uh, showing me their junior Ku Klux Klan cards in a, an attempt to try to intimidate me um, so i I had all these different things taking place um, when I was, and then I, of course, when I went into high school, eighth grade, high school in Atlanta was eighth through 12th grade at the time. When I went into high school at eighth grade, I was four foot 10. Uh, so I was this little bitty person uh, as far as uh, the rest of the folks were concerned. And, and that was, you know, I was the, the target of gangs, the target of, of fights uh, as much as possible. Uh, so well, I, it's, had to I mean, it's, it's almost naive or an understatement to say that that, uh, that shapes the rest of your life, doesn't it? And your perspective on 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 your career as a journalist and your career as a as a member of our government. Well, it it shapes it's, it shapes my life as a as an adult. I mean, I just never mind the career. It really it how it's how you begin to respond to people and and acknowledge both their strengths and their faults. Um, you know, some of my some of my classmates I'm still in touch with. Mm -hmm. Some of them I hear hear about uh, via. But the whole Facebook situation, I get notes uh, that they're responding to different things. And I realize, well, some of them haven't changed since, <laughs> since the early 60s uh, and, and mid-60s. Uh, some of them have, and that's been a real, that's been good to see. But it's, it is something that shapes um, how I view pretty much the world. And, and you know, KGW, <clears throat> when I worked there, one of the things that, that is really, was really important was that we didn't stay in the metro area. We went out, I, I always talk about the fact that I went to all 36 counties in the state of Oregon at one time when I was a reporter there. Uh, not because there was a disaster or a forest fire or some, something else going on, but because we wanted to tell the stories of the people who were out there. And that has helped me a great deal uh, in just understanding what's going on uh, in, in Oregon. I was just, just before this, I was talking with a fellow who's from, um, from North Powder, uh, and he said, you know, do you know where that is? And I said, well, I've, I did about six stories in North Powder when I was a reporter. 
and he, he just looked at me and went, what? <laughs> How, why would you do stories in North Powder? Well, there, there are only um, two stories in North Powder. How did you get six? <laughs> well, most of, the, most of the homes in North North Powder are just single stories. So that's another story altogether. But, but they, they, no, there, was, um, there were lots of great stories. I did an archaeological dig in North Powder. I did uh, a student who was a math genius who needed help there. Uh, I, did, I did stories on, on the elk uh, feeding and the elk ranch and, and things, all, all those things in, in and around North Powder and some of the farms that were there because we we wanted to find out we did stories on on things that were not officially controversial but were in fact interesting stories to tell about the people around us and that's what i saw journalism as that's what i saw us doing it became it became a difficult a different situation when we started to, to basically have to require that it be a conflict of some form and uh, it's and changed it's changed so much uh, uh, and, and I, you know, who are we to judge good or bad? We just were there in a time when telling stories like you and I were able to tell and all our colleagues uh, was the way to, um, was part of the way to let people know what our community was like and what it needed. And, uh, and, and you're right, we did that for the whole state then. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I spent a lot of time, um, Terry Renneria, you know, there's a name for you. Terry right? And I spent, um, I think, f seven days in Burns. We were there for four days and then for three days. Uh, just, just the two of us doing stories in Burns. Came back with a five-part series that we, we sold to uh, N NBC mm -hmm. for their nightly show. But we also showed it in, in, in Portland, first, first of all. Now, in Burns, there was not much. Uh, there's not much, you know, why do you go to Burns? But when we, when we got the story there, from then on, whenever there was something going on in Burns or in Harney County or in, in that section of Eastern Oregon, Malheur County, we were able to get over there and we had a good sense of what was going on with the people there and how they were struggling and their resilience. Um, well, and there's something to be said for uh, an African-American reporter and a Native American photographer uh, being that clued in on that side of the state, huh? Well, as I, as I always point out, when I got to Harney County, I doubled the number of African-Americans in the county um, <laughs> because there was, there was a guy who was working for the BLM at the time, and he was, uh, that, but he was, that was the only other black guy, black person in, in the county. Yeah, it made a difference, but um, it, partly it was because I, I just, uh, and partly it was because I, I had gone through uh, knowing people who were antagonistic towards me, but I also also began to understand uh, what people were, what concerns people had. And I had to listen carefully to find out what those were. When I was in high school, um, when I was, when I was walk, marching along uh, with different people. Well, so again, it shaped you, didn't it? Yeah, it, you know, it, again, it really it did shape the, the, my approach to things. So yeah, uh, Terry, actually Terry was in, in better shape on that than I was because the Paiute uh, Burns Paiute uh, tribe was right there. He was he was okay. Uh, it was, but you know, here's here's uh, you'll you'll get a chuckle out of this. The person who suggested that I go to Burns um, was Elliot Ecke. Uh huh. And, and and you know why you know why that was the case. That's, that's where, where he's he, from, wasn't it? That's where he grew up exactly. And so his his parents adopted me uh, when I got over there. They were they decided that they said, well, I'm, we're adopting you. And we had uh, both Terry and I, so we had a grand time with with Elliot's parents 
and uh, and a number of other folks who we got a chance to know. In fact, I I actually was uh, talking with somebody from Burns about about two weeks ago uh, because no, it was, it was a week ago uh, because we were talking with folks about the um, the sage grouse, um, which is a, a a very strange little bird over there that that is uh, potentially endangered. And uh, so they, they, but they've come up with the ideas and they've worked together uh, in Burns and, and in Eastern Oregon to really do something about the sage grouse. But the folks in Burns were the ones who helped put that together. And it was a, it was a, uh, an urban, rural, an environmental cattle, cattlemen's um, federal state agency. All these groups got together and said, you know, we can solve this together. And they have managed to do it. Imagine that cooperation amongst all those groups, Lou. That's and, amazing. Exactly, but if you don't, if they didn't know that, and, and if you talk with, ask, ask about the sage grouse in Portland, no one knows about it. It's uh, like the, it, the spotted like, owl 35 years later. Right, well, and, but it, it has an impact on Oregon, Washington, Montana, Nevada, uh, uh, across uh, Wyoming, across the West, this, this silly looking bird. I mean, he is, this is one of the, one of the, the, the dumbest birds I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> but it is, it is uh, it, this, but it has an impact on all these folks. And Oregon, by way of the way Oregon put it together, everyone else is trying to replicate what, what Oregon did, but you don't even hear about it. And, and, and that's, that's the fault of, of uh, the way that the direction that the media went uh, with things. And it's mostly because of the, of the way that everything was financed, because the financing of, of uh, broadcast media uh, has had an impact on how they cover things, on who they cover. Yeah, I'm with you there, because I have seen no tweets on my newsfeed about sage grouse. So yeah. someday. No, um, no, and you won't. <laughs> yeah. Lou, let's get to um, how you got to journalism and how you got to KGW in Portland. Journalism's a little difficult to, to really explain, except that um, my, the, the, in my house, when the, when the newspaper came, um, the, um, the, the fight was over the front page and the editorial section. Um, and then uh, the, the sports section was, was put aside. My father was a big uh, basket, a baseball fan, um, loved the uh, St. Louis Cardinals. And of course, we're in Atlanta, so we got a chance to know the Braves as well. Um, but... Uh, and then, but he and he followed other things. They didn't have soccer uh, in the in the Atlanta, and that was my sport. My sport mm -hmm. was soccer, and and I played tennis and ran ran cross country badly. Um, but uh, the uh, so I but but the we did news. We we talked about the news mostly because we were directly involved in it uh, many many times. You know, uh, you know, marching every other weekend or so, and and uh, being on a college campus. You're constantly being, especially a black college campus, you were constantly at that time, certainly involved in whatever was taking place locally and nationally. Uh, so we, and we had people coming through who were national, uh, peop, national followers, not just Dr. King. I mean, my next door neighbor was a guy named Julian Bond. Well, his father, Horace Mann Bond, but Julian Bond was, was living with him when we first moved in. And, uh, and there were lots of other folks who would show up, um, you know, and, and, so I, I got to understand the news cycle or news itself as a, as a consumer uh, and then started writing for my elementary school newspaper um, back when I was a, a sixth grader uh, in Atlanta and, uh, and then began to, um, to do radio um, for the ecumenical 
what was it called? Ecumenical Youth Group, Atlanta Interfaith Broadcasters. I did, um, did radio, uh, a Saturday morning uh, talk show kind of thing, uh, uh, a panel show kinds of things back then. Uh, got, to, uh, got to college, did a few news things for the local college radio station. <clears throat> I did not plan on getting into media when I got out here. Uh, my, my <laughs> uh, I was uh, a mime, uh, Carl. Um, <laughs> Wait a minute, we buried the lead, Lou. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. <laughs> so so <laughs> did not did not plan on doing that. I I came out here to be to do theater. Uh, oh really? Yeah, uh, things like uh, uh, Cirque du Soleil theater, not 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 necessarily Marcel Marceau kind of thing, but um, we we were doing what what became the 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 uh, the seed for Cirque du Soleil, a uh, kind of a movement kind of thing. So I would I did that for a while, um, taught um, for two years, and uh, you remember Paul Hansen? Oh yeah. Uh, Paul uh, Paul Hansen, uh, what was he and Mike uh, Turner uh, were at a radio station, um, KGON. Uh, they were they were, they had a a morning a Saturday morning show where they did long format. Uh, issues and one of the things that they did was uh, looking at uh, different religious cults in Portland in the in the Oregon area and so I went I was teaching a class in comparative religion at my school and I went over to get a copy of their um, of their some of their their tapes of what they had done we started talking and they said well listen you know if you stay in, and if you if you're leaving teaching which I was come back and check with us because we'd like to see if maybe you could be a reporter for us. And I said, fine. I left, auditioned uh, as an actor across the country, didn't get anything, came back and went over to Paul and said, well, I'm back. Uh, didn't work out. Uh, what do you think? He said, well, there's some, there's an opening uh, at KGW radio. Oh yeah. Uh, and there's also a couple of as an opening at, at KGW TV for a photographer. Uh, what, what would you like to do? And I said, well, you know, I don't know how to do this. He said, well, why don't you just apply and we'll get a tape together for you. And so they helped me put together a tape and I took it over to KGW. And there were four openings actually at KGW. Wow. There was an opening for a, a TV reporter. There was an opening for a radio reporter, one for a radio for, for a photographer and one in the sales department. Uh, and I don't know if you ever met ZZ McCall or not. Uh, uh, before my time. Tom McCall's niece, I believe. Uh, ZZ McCall was there as the, the HR person, and uh, she uh, she was um, she decided uh, she, we talked. She said, "We're getting you one of these jobs," and I thought that was great. Uh, and so she, I said, "When?" And she said, "Well, I can't tell you that." Well, sure enough, she couldn't tell me that because it was like three months later when uh, finally, after twelve interviews with all sorts of people, uh, John uh, Erickson. Um, hired me um, and uh, in the radio, uh, KGW radio. And I started work uh, in late November, uh, right after Thanksgiving. And that's and what year, 1970? 76. 76, okay. 76, yeah. And it was, it was a very auspicious beginning, let's put it that way. Uh, <laughs> we had a very strange, a sad situation in some ways take place. Um, when I went into that day, I figured, he said, you're going to need to do some paperwork and then we'll get going. But instead of that, I walked in the door and he said, here, here's the mic. Here's the, um, 
here the, the, the alligator clips, here's the, the, um, um, the recorder, you need to go to Emanuel Hospital right now. And I went, okay, fine. And so that's what I did. I ran, I jumped in the car, drove to Emanuel Hospital, emergency room, went in the wrong door for the emergency room because uh, I didn't know any better. Uh, and I walked in the back door, the, 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 the door that they bring people in on, not, not the one that you're supposed to go into normally. Uh, so I got it there. And as I'm walking down the hallway, this nurse comes up to me and she says, can I help you? And I said, well, here's the story. There's a, a police officer who was shot um, from, the, there was a sniper on the roof of what was then the Holiday Inn mm-hmm. over here uh, near the Coliseum. And uh, he, she said, I said, there was a you know, police officer was shot. I'm trying to find out what his condition is. And she looked at me and she said, well, you're not supposed to be here. Uh, come, come with me. So she took me up to the ICU unit and, and I'm standing out there and she said, the doctors are there. You can talk with them afterwards. And I said, okay, fine. I, I'm standing there. The doctor comes, looks out and sees me and I'm looking at, at him working on this guy and he comes, comes out and he says, can I help you? And I said, well, well, yeah, this is what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to find out. And, and I, and I, and I turned the mic on and I had the mic clearly in my hand and I said, you know, this is, um, this is what I'm trying to find out. Can you t- give me the condition of this uh, officer? And at that time, they apparently didn't have a problem with that. So he, he told Pre-hippodays. me. Uh, <laughs> Pre-hippodays. So he gave me, gave me, the, um, uh, he gave me the, the, the information about the condition of the officer. He said, but you're not supposed to be here. So why don't you come with me? And he took me down to the lobby of the emergency room. Well, when I got to the lobby of the emergency room, all television cameras were there at that time we had like 15 radio stations that had news right they were all there as well so i went over to the to the phone that was sitting uh there and i unhooked it and put my alligator clips on and start yep and, and then started to write my story i wrote my story and i and i and i so i called john uh and i said listen i've got this is a story i've got here on what's going on and he said well okay listen i'm going to record it right now and uh, and so I uh, I called you know I, I talked with him and I and I gave the story and I said um, and I'm I'm talking about it and I said the doctor doctor so and so who was um, who was treating him uh, in the ICU told me told me this just a minute ago <laughs> the room went quiet <laughs> what <laughs> and I said you know so this is what's going on and this is Lou Frederick for KGW uh, sixty two KGW News. And, and, and he said, I said, is that okay? And he went, yeah, that, that's great. <laughs> and, and, and he hung up and I, and I unclipped the things and I, and I, and, I, and, I, and then as, as soon as I unclipped the thing, the room was still quiet. And they, all these people go, who the hell are you? Yeah. <laughs> and how did you scoop us all? Came rushing over to me. How did you get that in? What, how did you, what did you? <laughs> they were going, they were nuts. They were, <laughs> they went nuts. At the same time, my, my uh, my my um, uh, partner at KGW, another guy, called, his name was Mike White. I think it was Sade White, but the White, he went by Mike White. Mike had managed just minutes before to uh, to get on the elevator at the Holiday Inn with three other guys. All of them, two of them in in uniform. Uh, no, one of them in uniform. Two of them, um, the other two, uh, who were clearly detectives, but with with vests on. He got in the elevator with them, with his mic and with his recorder and with his with his radio. And the difference was that his ra- he had decided to not have a long radio 
antenna on his on his um, radio. Uh, he said he had a short antenna, which is what all the police had was a short antenna. So he got on with this, got on the elevator, ho- talking on on the radio, and they all thought he was a cop. And so he he rode in the elevator up to the top of the thing and got walked up the stairs, and um, and they the guy who was a uniform cop um, rushed out onto the um, onto the opened the door, rushed out and said, "Get down, get down!" And the guy was you know get down on the on the on the ground and mike came out after the uniform cop and then the two other guys came out after him came walking mike walked up to him and with the mic and said and with his recorder uh mike and his and his radio and he's he he said what 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 do you want to shoot people for and he put the mic down next to the guy and the guy went who are you? And he said, oh, I'm Mike White from 62 KGW Radio. And, he's, and the cops went, what? Get him out of here. He had, he had all of this live. So, so John Erickson had Mike White do his thing. And immediately after he did that, that's when he, he ran, pushed the button for my story. So we had this incredible story. That's Pulitzer Prize-winning journalism there on your day one, Lou. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, it was just amazing. So I had a great time with I did KGW Radio for six months, and Ken Watts, I believe is his last name was Watts, was a reporter. He he left to go to Chicago, New York, someplace larger market, and um, Ed Godfrey came to me and said listen, would you like to go into television? And I said, well, um, possibly. And he t- told me the, 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 the uh, change in the salary. And I said, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, uh, I took the job and, uh, and, and I started in May of, um, started in TV in May of 77 um, um, with, um, and had a, you know, and, and I stayed there until um, the end of, to June of uh, 1993. Oh yeah, Lou, you were such a stalwart there. You were such a hard worker, and and I always felt like you didn't get the respect you deserved. Sometimes they they threw you around to shifts that uh, uh, you were um, you deserved a little better because of your seniority and your abilities. Um, how how would you you know I guess just analyze? Uh, we talked about the storytelling uh, that we did at KGW, but. Uh, did did management did the ownership uh, did did they handle news in Portland uh, uh, to the standard you thought we should? Well, back then we had it. We had it, everyone's going to complain. I mean, part of the being in a television newsroom is you complain about something. You mean <laughs> you just you just have to. And then you go out and do stories about people complaining about stuff. Right, exactly. And and so we we had. Our, I went through. I'm trying to think. I just was trying to remember the number. I think I went through eight news directors while I was there. I did uh, six. So yeah, so yeah, so um, and and you know there was a um, there were personality issues. There were issues in terms of the, the time of 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 our of our country uh, and how how people were responding to things. I got support, and then I didn't get support. I got support. When I was I was I got. I got support, and then they were surprised by some things that I got a chance to do. I applied. Um, Floyd McKay, you remember Floyd? Mm-hmm. Floyd McKay suggested that I apply to to uh, for the Neiman Fellowship um, in at Harvard because he was a Neiman Fellow at Harvard, and so uh, I 
said, okay, fine, you know, and I, I went to the news director at the time and I said, I'm applying for the Neiman, is that okay? Because they had, the, the, the news uh, agency had to approve that you would, you would be able to go away and they would pay the difference between your salary and the stipend, mm -hmm. that was the, the agreement. And, they, and the news director said, yeah, sure, go ahead. You know, it was like, yeah, right, that's gonna happen. And, and I, so I applied for it. And when I applied for it, uh, they, they were another thing like the news, like the uh, Neiman was being created at MIT uh, in, in science. And so it was a fellowship there, but it was the, the, would be the second year for that particular program. So they were, had a great a close connection. The guy who was the director for the MIT program saw my application for the Neiman and asked if I would apply for the for what was called the Vannevar Bush Fellowship at the time. It's now the Knight Fellowship. And I said, sure, you know, thinking, all right, see what happens. Well, the Bush people call, uh, sent me back to DC. I did an, an interview there, came back, and a couple weeks later, they called me and said, we'd like to offer you this position at MIT for a year. Uh, and would you, would you mind taking? I said, you know, sure. And uh, as soon as I said yes, I hung up the phone and, you know, the ceiling above the, the newsroom there, you know, there's, a, there's a dent because <laughs> I jumped up and, and hit it, whoa! And the, the whole newsroom went, what in the world's going on there? And I'm dancing around and I'm saying, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to MIT, I'm going to MIT. And, and folks were jumping around and about 15 minutes later, I got a phone call and it was the Neiman Fellowship telling me that they wanted me to be a semifinalist for, for theirs, theirs as well. And I said, well, you know, I've already got this. I've already said yes to the Bush. I'm taking that. Yeah. I'll be in Cambridge. So that's what I did. Well, that did not sit well with several folks. Um, they didn't like the idea that, first of all, I, that I applied and got it. They didn't expect me to get it. Uh, they didn't, when I got back to, um, when I got back to Portland, well, but even before I left for, for the Neiman, they put me on, on, on different uh, schedules so that they would, let, they would let me know that they were displeased. Uh, and so I had to deal with, with some of that. Uh, when I got back, I was, not, I was put on a very weird schedule as a result of that. And, and I had to deal with a number of other things at KGW that were just part of the, uh, of the times. Um, you know, I could complain, and I and it wouldn't wouldn't make wouldn't ha wouldn't help. It wouldn't wouldn't make anything different. But well, I, mean, I, 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 I was I was thinking about talking with you. Um, uh, you know, I was really young when I started uh, started in the sports department for six years before I moved to news. Uh, you know, looked up to all you um, reporters that I kind of learned from over time. But but it's also really naive. Um, I mean, I, you know, I, I you know Stephen Colbert's character on the Colbert show he used to have that joke that said, I don't see color. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Well, as, as hokey as that sounds, I mean, I never, I never looked at you as anything other than a colleague and, and, a, and a friend and a reporter. Uh, I never looked at you as an African-American man or Sharon Mitchell, who we worked with. Um, uh, and, and so I, I was never aware of, or at least cognizant of some of the things you may have faced uh, because you were a person of color. Uh, I guess I apologize for being naive, but um, uh, I, I was just unaware of some of the things you probably went through uh, because of who you were. Well, your mom was a teacher, right? Yeah, oh yeah. Martin and, Luther and King remember, she, Elementary School. And she remember she invited me to speak over there. 
Okay. I, I don't know if you knew that or not. Uh, you know, probably, yeah. Because uh, I came over to speak uh, a couple of times, brought my son along, and we talked about uh, some of the things that were going on and, and the, the differences there. Uh, and so we had, you know, she and I, we talked about some of those issues. I think you get, you, you're not, you're not alone in that particular approach, but what was happening at the time was, was not as, um, was not as obvious as some people think at the time. And there was, oh, there, yeah, was absolutely. A, there was a survival issue that we, that you, um, it's, it's a code called, what is it called? Um, um, you, you, you understand the code of what you are going to be dealing with in a community. When, uh, in, in KGW Newsroom, when I would bring up an issue, like they were constantly, whenever we had a story on drugs, they always had pictures of black folks with drugs. When in fact, what was going on in Oregon and across the country was that the primary drug users were white, but they were not on the street. They were in their neighbor, in their, in their living rooms. Uh, somewhere, uh, or, or in, in, unfortunately, in the case of several businesses that I will not try to mention, they were in the back rooms, um, you know, snorting something up and then going off and doing their, their job officially, uh, or in, in the evenings doing things like that. But they only showed pictures of African Americans when it came to drugs. When I brought that up, I was told that I, was, that I had a chip on my shoulder. Yeah. And that that I needed to to get away from that's 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 the only video we have. That's I said. Well, then you need to get some more video, uh, and 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 really understand where where that's going on. The other, frankly, the other problem. And I'll, I'll just say it. The other problem is that we knew that there were folks in the newsroom who were who were doing it. They didn't want to be um, they didn't want to be pointed out, yeah. and so it was more more important for them to point out other people. And that's uh, what you know. Doing. It's it's kind of. I mean, I hate to call it funny in a bad way that you would be told that, but I mean, now, you know, what we know about uh, your upbringing and your, uh, you, you know, your life getting to where you were uh, and how it shaped you to be told that you had a chip on your shoulder for what is an obvious issue, should have been an obvious issue. Uh, that's offensive. Well, <laughs> it was offensive. And, and I had, I had to deal with that with a, a couple of photographers when we were doing stories on desegregation mm -hmm. on black kids and, and schools. Uh, they, they said, well, you know, you just have a chip on your shoulder. They didn't know uh, on, until much later that I had been involved in terms of the desegregation thing. But I had to be careful about that because I knew that that was going to be the accusation immediately. And it was. Uh, yeah. And how unfortunate, because the other way to look at it is uh, instead of uh, a chip on your shoulder, you have a connection to our community. You have, uh, I mean, for the lack of a better word, you have sources that you know that that drive journalism uh you look at it that way you've got this uh, uh this beautiful connection to an issue that we need to explore more it's not a chip it's an advantage as a reporter and as a newsroom well you know and yesterday um the kansas city star i saw that um un, you know acknowledged the problems that they had but they didn't acknowledge that that because uh they they came up with it by someone else, they ended up having people with that, that, that life experience in their newsroom saying, this is what was going on. This is what is going on now. This is what was going on in the past. It's time for the Kansas City Star to acknowledge that. Mm -hmm. uh, that's, 
the kind of thing that we, we didn't have for quite a while. I mean, for, for a number of years, uh, there were two African-American reporters in Portland on TV. You, Sharon Mitchell, Ken Boddy. Ken Boddy, but for, for, before Sharon came on, yeah. it was me and Ken, Ken Boddy, and then it was me and Sharon Mitchell. John Davis had left. John Davis had left. John Davis left, in, and, and I still am in contact with him, by the way. Uh, he's, uh, he's in Chicago doing pretty well. But uh, he had left, uh, and we had, I mean, we had a number of folks who were, uh, who were let go uh, to, um, or never got in. And then when I went and challenged one of our news directors, they had hired 24 people, 20, 20, 23 people, 20, 22 people. They had hired 22 people in the newsroom and they had not hired a single person of color. Yeah. That was for when they expanded to that four o'clock newscast, right? Right. And they and, brought and, it. And I yeah. said, excuse me, but you know, why is this? Well, we just can't find anybody. I went, Oh, give me a break. You can't find anybody. <laughs> and he said, well, no, I just, you know, just, just doesn't, no one seems to fit. No one seems to understand what we're doing here. I said, I'll give me five minutes. I'll get, I'll get five people for you right now. Wow. And, 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 and he, as soon as I said that and made the challenge, but more than that, as soon as I said that, I also went back to my desk and I called uh, the folks in Seattle and I said, this is the story that I'm being given. It's bullshit. You you can't do that. And uh, and so they, they said okay. Well we and and it's and literally within about I would guess less than twenty four hours he suddenly had three people. Wow! Amazing how that works. Yeah, uh, the pressure was was there. Th these are the kinds of things that you had to deal with uh, that I had to deal with. But I I also have to say that you know the fact that we actually went out and had a sense of the stories um, that we didn't have before. Um, it was, um, just a second, I'm getting another phone call here. Um, the, we were able to do things with the news that was important. And going back to what you started off with in terms of the state, one of the biggest problems I have is that we no longer have broadcast newsrooms um, uh, in the basement. We no longer the Capitol no longer has uh, has any sort of group there. They they are all the, all the, the commercial television stations uh, in in uh, in Portland no longer have bureaus in the basement. So <clears throat> you have things like what happened yesterday. They weren't going to pay any attention to what was going on in school in the uh, in the Capitol until something until they saw something that was visual, not right. ish not the issues of eviction, not the issues of, of what was going on with health uh, in different, different, different areas. Not, none of those issues were that important to send a crew down there to until they had something that was a conflict, a, a fight, or a well, vision. protesters with guns. Protesters with guns, and, only a, and, and a small number of protesters as well. I mean, it was not, they had called for a thousand folks to show up. I think the, the largest total was 150, and they were spread out all over the place, except for a small group that decided they were going to try to rush a door, and another another couple of guy, people who decided they were going to break windows. Um, but that was that is going to be an, an important factor, rather than what was actually taking place. A year ago, we had the the folks who were who were circling the Capitol with the with their trucks honking the horns and whatever, and uh, they had three or four crews outside showing that. 
Inside, we were passing a bill for family leave, which meant that if, you, if, if, if a family member got sick, you could, get, you, could be re, you could be reimbursed for it, you would not be fired. We had, we had that kind of a bill, an important bill. Not a single story that night was on that bill. They All passed the 30, 30, 30 other bills that day, not a single story was on that one. And, uh, and, and that was because they, they I mean, I, I have classic stories of reporters at, uh, not knowing who the players are. Oh, yeah. Reporter, I, I just think, Lou, that, uh, you know, Boyd Levitt, Floyd McKay, Eileen Pincus Walker, Mark Haas when he was a reporter. Uh, Casey Cowan. Uh, yeah, um, all the all the people who spent all that time for all the different stations in those bureaus, knowing again what was going on and who the players were. That that's all gone, isn't it? It it is all gone, and you have you have reporters, and I heard overheard this a uh, couple several years ago. You have reporters who will start, turn to a photographer who is you know the photographers have been around for quite a while, right? But, this reporter turned to a photographer as I was standing there and said to the photographer, now, now that's Tina Kotek and she's Speaker of the House. Now, what does that mean? Oh. Yeah. Well, you got to learn somehow. Well, yeah, but if that person had been here, had, been, had only been in Portland and Oregon for a couple of months or, you know, a couple of weeks or something, I would have, wouldn't have had a problem. But she had been here for two years. And she, and she was suddenly sent down to Salem to cover a story. And, and as it turns out, the story she, she covered, the way she, she showed the story was also so far off, it was amazing. Mm. But they really do not know, and this is the problem, we really do not have the kind of, of understanding of, of what's going on. We have um, almost a cartoon understanding of what's going on, rather than a real uh, uh, approach to what's, what's, what's taking place politically in a number of other areas, and in terms of education, uh, in terms of health care, uh, in terms of the environment issues. We, we end up with headlines rather than uh, a real deep understanding of what the, what's taking place. Don't get me started. <laughs> uh, so um, I, I guess one of the things I wanted to ask, um, you left KGW on your own accord, and you, uh, or how did you leave? I know you ended up at the school district for many years as public information officer. Yeah. Um, well, it was of, of my own accord because I was, <laughs> I had the news director come to me and after I had just given a presentation uh, and been part of uh, the American Association for the Advancement of Sciences conference, uh, I came back to the, to KGW. Um, I, you know, took days off to do this. So it wasn't on, on the, on the, the uh, uh, station's time. Came back and uh, when I walked in, he said, you're gonna be real pleased. We've got a series we're going to do on, on gene therapy. Now, you know my other background is molecular biology. So uh, gene therapy, the, the whole science thing was something I've been doing for several years. He said, we're gonna do a series on gene therapy. And I said, oh really, that's great. I, I, there's some really great things going on at OHSU. There are things going on at, at OSU. We've got a lot of stuff going on that's really, that will be, oh no, 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 we're, you're not gonna be doing it. We, we bought it as a, uh, as a package from uh, Southern California or from Central California. And I said, well, why did you do that? Well, because they've already got it packaged. I said, but we have stuff going on here in Oregon that would relate to what's going on for people in Oregon. Well, we don't have time for you to do that. We need for you to be doing some things on, uh, on gangs. Oh, okay, I, I, I'm not, I don't wanna name names, but just tell me what year you left, Lou, so I can do the math. 93. 
Okay. <laughs> Good. Oh. Uh, well, I, uh, yeah, and you were at the school district for many years as public information officer, right? Left, uh, got, ended up at the school district, uh, actually did an interview, uh, one of my favorite interviews, but it uh, didn't work out. Uh, I did an interview in the White House uh, for the, to be the uh, science communications person for the science advisor. But oh. they, they froze all communications people after um, uh, George Stephanopoulos left, uh, so that didn't happen. But I got a job. Got, got I worked for the for the Portland schools uh, for um, for what was it? Thirteen years, and uh, 12, 13 years, and uh, as a public information director there, and uh, had a good time with that. Uh, and but at near in, in two thousand three, um, had one of the friends of my my kids uh, die uh, in in Iraq, and uh, and I just couldn't I couldn't not say something. And so I started um, working on national political issues at that point. And in 2004, uh, I went to the to Democratic Convention uh, as a delegate. And uh, in 2005, I left the, the Portland schools full time. I was, I was there, I went on an official sabbatical. And in 2006, I officially left the Portland schools and, had, and ran for, for county commission. Uh, didn't win, uh, lost by 4,207 votes. Um, yeah, but you know, voting machines—you never know, Lou. <laughs> no, that was pretty pretty righteous. Okay. Actually. Uh, you know, you know, you can always file suit retroactively the way yeah. it seems, the way things are going. Uh, it was—it took a while for for me to uh, acknowledge to understand what had taken place in terms of some, where the, some of the votes were. But uh, so it, it worked. But I, I then went to—I started working part time uh, for the Portland Community College Board and started a small business. Uh, and then went from there to um, uh, ran for was appointed to the legislature and then stayed yeah. in the legislature and I've been there since that since 2009. Well, I want I want to get close to wrapping this up, but I didn't want to leave without uh, asking how how the kids were because you know one of the cool things about being in a newsroom, especially on weekends, is you know we get to watch everybody's kids grow up and and you had such great kids. I hope they're doing well. Well, uh, uh, my daughter's struggling with some me uh, medical issues, so we struggle. She's she's still dealing with that. She's living with us right now because okay. of that. Uh, my my son is a uh, middle school Latin teacher. Oh goodness! In, in uh, Salt Lake, um, and he's enjoying himself there. My daughter-in-law is also teaching middle school in a different school district, um, but they are they're doing well. Uh, obviously worried about them related to the whole virus situation because they have two different, distinctly different approaches within their schools in dealing with it. But they're, they're doing well. Um, they did, they had four and a half, they, they taught for a while in, in Portland, then they moved to Kobe, Japan, and were in Kobe for, um, for four and a half years and moved from there to Monterey, Mexico. And from Monterey, they went to um, um, Rollins, Wyoming and for a year and then they went to Salt Lake. So they've been in Salt Lake, they have a house. Uh, they have two little puppy dogs that looks, uh, both of them look like they are actually Muppets. You can't really, and if you looked at them, you'd say, is that really an animal or not? <laughs> um, but they are, they're cute little puppy dogs. And they are, they're doing, they do, they seem to be doing very well. Yeah, Dave, David's teaching Latin. That's and, amazing. Latin uh, in a middle school. Yeah, and, and enjoying it, um, which, is, which is sort of fun for him. Uh, he, um, he was, uh, he, he's an uh, U of O grad, so mm -hmm. 
he's officially a duck, but he spent two years at my alma mater, which was Earlham. So uh -huh. that was sort of fun and came back and came, went to, uh, to Eugene. Uh, so he graduated with honors from Eugene, uh, uh, from uh, U of O and uh, in the honors college there. Uh, and so he had to learn Latin, Old English and Greek oh. and in order to do, get his, uh, his dissertation or his paper, uh, senior paper done. And he, he did both all of those things. Uh, so he's done doing well, and he plays. He's playing harp. He's playing Celtic harp, and uh, and an accordion. Um, That's one well-rounded young man. He's done done very well. I was very very pleased. Mel, uh, my daughter's writing when she can, uh, and she's doing. She's she's a great writer. Uh, so she's working on on recovering. She's she's in she's in the process of recovering some of her, her from some of her illness issues. So well, our, our best to uh, to her and. Uh, well, I really, it's been, what a great time just to sit and chat with you. I, I can't, um, I can't tell you how much, uh, how much respect I've always had for you. Uh, well, and then to be reminded in this conversation of, uh, of your history and your, uh, your compassion for our community and for the causes that are important. Uh, you, you know, it, it's, it's an honor to, to have known you and worked with you and to p still be able to sit down and chat with you, my friend. You're just doing great work. Well, I appreciate that. You know, we were lucky. We had a r surrounding us people who were who were able to do that, who were concerned and were talented, incredible talented group of people in in the newsroom. Just amazing. The photographers, the the editors, the the, the uh, assignment editors, the you know the news directors. I mean, even when we argued with them like crazy, they still were incredibly talented and and really wanted to do the best they could for the for the community. And so you you ha, you you have ahead of you a great list of people to to talk to. I'm I, I'm a bit envious of you being able to do that because there are some really great stories. I mean, D. Dixon for crying out loud, and, uh, and you know I, I'm still in touch with Kevin Feltz and yeah, and, and Regan the, Ramsey sends me things on a regular basis. You know, that's those the joy of, of Facebook. As much as it can be criticized, the fact that we can stay in touch with those uh, wonderful people who are part of our lives and help shape our careers. Uh, and again. Uh, that's why I'm calling you up to interview you for a few minutes here so we can uh, we can share all that with our friends and, and other folks, Lou. So thanks for the time, my friend, and, and Godspeed as you, uh, as you help us all work through this here in the state of Oregon. We'll try to do that. You take care of yourself.